0: Welcome into to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, your favorite beat writer from The Athletic, who currently sits just 3,002 hits behind Miguel Cabrera all-time. He is Cody Hagen. How are you doing?
1: Doing okay. Yeah. Uh, AJ Hinch made a similar comment about the whole Spencer Torkelson situation. He's like, yeah, he's just 2,992 away, so let's, <laughs> not, let's not say he's passing the torch just yet. Uh, you know, if I get going, I could probably catch torque pretty quickly.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I made the joke last week about needing some bodies. Uh, that hasn't really changed, has it? They don't um, want me.
1: No, <laughs> no, it hasn't changed though.
0: <laughs> I uh, I was thinking. We're fifteen games in. Tigers, six and nine record not gonna make any overarching statements but I'm trying to sort of like interpret what we're witnessing so far and and maybe also contextualize it slightly so I know he's back but for the past week there was no Javier Baez right and obviously Riley Green been out the entire year so far and you know will continue to be out yeah the Manning injuries the uh, the, the Mize injury Chafin, Funkhauser, although Chafin uh, appears, you know, here pretty soon, says Narrow. Is there a way to put a number at, like, w- this Tigers team right now, are they operating at 75% capacity? 70% capacity? Is it lower than that? Because, you know, you have this week two everyday starters, and then, you know, maybe this bias thing has a long-term... Um, not impact but yeah maybe impact it lingers and the green's not going to be back for a while now you have four key members of your bullpen currently as it stands right now or have been out and then two starters out of five right so you can make an argument out of a 14 14 person starting lineup five pitchers nine position or i guess 13 you're missing four starters essentially so does any of that make sense it's because to me i'm thinking that are they like you know are they missing 30 because you know it's hard to define a role for like a reliever that's going to come in for an inning but that's kind of where i landed in the 70 mark give or take what where do you kind of interpret that
1: Yeah, and in the sheer, based on the sheer numbers, if you're like, okay, Baez, Mize, Manning, uh, Chafin, you know, Cisnero, I mean, you're looking at five or six guys who were kind of locks to be on, let's call it a 26 man roster. So you're minus at least 20%. You're probably operating somewhere between 75 and 80%. If you weigh that to the importance of the guys who were injured, you're at less than that because. Uh, it's not like you had your fringe roster players get injured. You lost Javi Baez, your biggest offseason signing. You lost um, two of your five starters, including including Mize, who you were kind of hoping might end up being your best pitcher this season. You know, you're know you losing Andrew Chafin, who would have had a, a large role in the bullpen, and then you have a couple of other guys next up. So I, I would actually put it at lower than 75%. I mean in terms of the caliber of players you're missing, um obviously it's it's substantial. Now Javi Baez is back, Andrew Chafin's going to be back. We don't have timetables on Mize and Manning. It sounds like Casey Mize is about to start throwing in Lakeland, so that's pretty good if he's up and throwing this soon. But Matt Manning sounds like he is going to miss an additional start and I feel like our latest update was pretty vague on him, other than his injury's bad enough, he has to go to Lakeland, uh, which doesn't really track with what we were initially told, so I think there's some reason for concern there. Now, maybe that's the good news is, uh, Bo came up, he's going to get stick in your starting rotation, maybe you have more bodies than you thought, uh, but now you lose Victor Reyes, who is actually playing nicely you do get Derek Hill back, but it seems like every time you add someone, you're kind of losing someone else. Sometimes that's how it goes in this sport, uh, but it has not been ideal to start the season by any means.
0: Well, in addition to just kind of like the loss of the impact of of those guys, it kind of gets exasperated in, in the way of, okay, so you're having to play Harold Castro more games than you thought. You're having to sort of make rest days for akil badu instead of making it a a regular rotation um and so when you're playing guys more and you know willie castro right now right if you're playing guys more than you anticipated that's sort of it's not doubling the loss impact but that's part of it because you know role players are kind of role players for a reason and If you have to play them more than what their talent or production dictates, you get hurt, you get dinged in that direction as well. Um, So that being said, though, how does... So if they're operating 70%, whatever, capacity, how does 6 and 9 feel to you? Because I'm thinking with all these injuries and all these moving parts and the decisions that have had to have been made, there's... I think I said this last week uh, it's hard to in- interpret like tougher injury breaks <laughs> to begin a season than what the Tigers have had to go through which you know we obviously have just laid out and you're six and nine you're managing to be in some games a lot of your losses I mean the run differential is gonna look really positive after uh Saturday <laughs> winning 13 and nothing but a lot of these losses are within the margin. So how does how does six and nine feel? Because to me it feels okay. It feels okay. It's still April. It feels okay to me. Not where you want to be, but you can make.
1: All it. All, all things considered, all things considered, I think it feels okay. Given, like you said, the injuries. Given, uh, I'm still not sure they deserve to be six and nine. They just haven't played very good uh, baseball, at least not for more than one or two games at a time. You know, 6-9, and you're obviously a losing record, but you're 15 games into this thing. A a good way to look at it, you can throw out the big number, you have 147 more games, or you can kind of condense it and say this 15-game stretch that, um, you know, it's it's easy to kind of panic about and think, oh, this team's not living up to expectations, all this hype was for nothing. You have roughly 10 to 11 more 15-game stretches to come you know this is this is you are not even 10% of the way done with the season so um the good news is you haven't set yourself behind the eight ball so far that you can't come up for air last year tigers the 2021 Detroit Tigers started 6 and 9 and after that they went what 2 and 15 something absurd like that i mean you know they they ended up 8 and 24 in may I don't think this team's going to have a stretch near that bad. It's hard to imagine this team becoming having that sort of awful stretch. And it's not that hard to imagine this team starting to play a lot better and have a pretty good stretch. So I think overall you're, you, you've treaded some water. It's not great. Uh, you need to get a boat. You need to get a life raft out to you pretty soon. But so far you're doing a good job treading the water.
0: And, you know, I'll tell you, if there's going to be uh... a... <laughs> if there's going to be games so this is one of those things that i kind of had to remind myself to talk about because of all the other stuff that happened this week injuries uh miguel cabrera 3000 which if you uh we're not going to talk about it all that much on, on this podcast if you want our our thoughts on that we put out a special episode on saturday night early sunday morning you know a little night out work for for your boys here um well and i'll post that as well on social media again monday and, and tuesday but you have the emotions of the chase, and then, you know, the injuries, and there's your your first travel of uh, of the season. I just, I, I give a lot of credit to A.J. Hinch for keeping it together when there's an infield pop-up that the catcher, the pitcher, and the first baseman just kind of, <laughs> I'm not going to say let it go, because at least there was like, try, you know, they did try. But it looked like uh I was like, Oh my god, is this twenty nineteen? Is Christian Stewart in left field? Am I gonna have am I gonna have nightmares? Uh I was Whew, and they actually made that a close game despite having like three pitchers and in four innings the <laughs> first four innings. Um uh, so it's one of those things I almost oh, forgot. Three about. pitchers
1: what? in one and two thirds innings they were on their they were on their third pitcher. Yeah. It was a nightmare.
0: That's crazy. How does AJ somehow the score was
1: only four to two?
0: How is he keeping this... this
1: well, like I said, C- I... Like I said, I think he figured out why Jim Leland smoked cigarettes in the <laughs> dugout. Uh, I haven't seen AJ light up any cigarettes, but I mean, I'm sure he's uh, he's having to unwind somehow. You know, I think the good news is his bullpens really stepped up, helped him out, kept the team in some games, helped him hold on to leads. I think um, it's such a small sample that I, like, I don't know. I think... We need to make sure for all the love and praise this coaching staff gets that they kind of continue to perform as well. I don't know exactly what's all going on behind the scenes, but the team's really hitting very poorly. Uh, The Tigers made some adjustments to their start holding a daily hitters meeting versus once a series. Obviously, this is a group of guys that does very high-level preparation, Um, but I don't know. Like I, I think... You could argue the coaching staff is keeping it together. You could argue, I don't know, maybe the coaching staff has to better its performance too. When you're six and nine and things aren't quite right, I think everyone probably feels like they need to step up a little bit. I think that probably goes for the manager and the the assistant coaches as well as um, all the players on the field who actually you know make these things happen.
0: Well, you mentioned it right there. Maybe we should give more credit to said bull plan. Is that? That's got to be one of the surprises of the season so far. Given again, the you know broken record here injuries. I mean, just coming in, you're looking, you know, it was looking barren, and we've talked about this before, but it, they showed up again this week. Uh, the The pillars there, the Fulmer and the and the Sotos, and you know, Joe Jimenez has looked pretty good. We've gotten some nice moments out of Vest. You know, Hutchinson. I feel a lot better about the bullpen, and maybe they are the number one, you know, deserve the most credit for steadying the ship, if you would. Um,
1: No, absolutely. This thing could have really blown up, and one of the reasons things blew up last year in April so bad was the bullpen. I think back to the 2019 Tigers, they had a doubleheader in Boston, the bullpen was taxed, and it was all downhill after that. The team never really recovered. For all the short starts that we've seen, like this is a bullpen that very easily could have blown up, um, and luckily that obviously did not happen. Um, So the bullpen, you know, coming into this season, it's like, okay, I wrote this in my Monday notes column, okay, um, offense should be improved, right? Defense, oh, should be greatly improved. Starting pitching, you you like to think it's going to be better, well... Offense has been pretty bad. Defense, I think it's fair to say, has been easily worse than expected. Starting pitching has not uh, gotten any sort of groove yet. The strength of your team has been the bullpen, which looked like a huge weak link, uh, especially given the injuries toward the tail end of spring training. And it has kept you alive. Uh, So I think that's good. I think there's also probably going to be a time where all this corrects itself. I bet the hitting gets better. I bet the starting pitching gets a little better. And, you know, at least certain members of the bullpen probably level off at some point. One other fun bullpen note. Gregory Soto, man, he's he's really uh, starting to just seem so much more reliable. He's, he throws a lot of strikes. He really is just so greatly improved. He even made a nice uh, PFP play in his most recent appearance. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. came in in the 8th, recorded in out at the plate. Gregory Soto in 2019 was, I I believe, literally, based on defensive runs saved, one of the worst fielding pitchers in history. He's worth negative three. It's kind of hard (laughs) to be worth negative from the pitching position. Uh, I put out a tweet that said, don't take that one-two, put out for granted, Gregory Soto is not the best at PFP. I believe that's verbatim what the tweet was. Um, Gregory Soto uh, did not talk to me in the clubhouse the next day. Uh, I was told he was upset about that tweet, which I don't fully understand. <laughs> uh, I think that's being a little oversensitive because it wasn't like, I wasn't calling him out. I was really saying "Good." maybe I should have been a little more like good play, you know. But it was like, my thought was like, oh, I don't know. I don't think Soto in 2019, I don't know. When he picks the ball up, I didn't know what was going to happen. And in addition to throwing more strikes, really commanding his slider, even incorporating a changeup, looks like maybe he's also improved his fielding. So... Uh, good for Gregory, um, bad for me, but, you know, sometimes that's how this job goes.
0: All right, so, Tigers, uh, PR, now you're listening, just cut that clip right there, you know, have,
1: no, oh, it's been, no, no, it's been, I wasn't, It's okay. it's been okay. addressed, okay. sort of, okay. I'm okay. not gonna go into all this on the podcast, I still have not spoken with Gregory, but, uh, Hopefully we will speak sometime Okay,
0: well, look, in all honesty, like, I, if he were, the way he's pitching right now, and fielding, um, I would, I'm not going to rule out another all-star appearance. You know, I wouldn't, wouldn't rule it out. wouldn't rule it out. And, you know, back-to-back, have your closer make back-to-back all-star games, actually, is uh, pretty cool yeah. for the franchise. A guy who I made the bold prediction of making the all-star team and getting the dub in the all-star team Tarek Skubal th- another thing that's kind of that we well, can't like get swept under the rug two straight strong starts and it was the Miggy 3000 game on Saturday that he that he went uh 5 uh 5.2 four, uh four hits one run and 7 Ks and uh got out of a decent jam I believe there too uh as as dire as a lot of the pitching situation has looked as what we talked about. I'm feeling pretty good about Scooble. Uh I think that's a result of Tucker Barnard understanding him a little bit better, a starter, you know, a couple more opportunities, calling games, you know, looking at scouting reports with him. Uh, that That's just a, a guess by me. I We had concerns or I had concerns about that after one start. And then two starts later, it looks like they're per- perfectly in sync. looks like Tucker knows what he's doing, almost like he's a, professional gold glove winning uh, veteran respected catcher or something. But uh, but I really <laughs> like what Scoogle du- has been doing. He's dialed in right now, it feels like.
1: I, I've said it a million times. When Scoogle is at his best, he is electric. He is incredibly fun to watch. He almost makes you jump to conclusions and just be like, I love Tarek Scoogle, you know. Still got to do it a little more consistently. That's kind of been his problem to this point in his career. But his last two starts have been electric. They've been lights out. Um, I think that goes both ways. It's easier to call the game when your pitcher's throwing strikes, when he's executing, when he's spotting the fastball. You know, another thing AJ said was like, we told Tucker, hey, you know, Tarek's got a pretty good slider. And whether that's a subtle message or like a direct message, it's just up to you to to interpret. Um, the pitch mix that was so weird in his first start against the White Sox went away. He was very change-up heavy in that game. He's gone back to being more power fastball, power slider. Then you can throw in the change-up. His curveball, he is, mi- is mixing in a little more, and I think he's made nice use of that. I think his last start was probably the best maybe I've ever seen him look in terms of using – four different pitches all well, all sequencing them very well. I got Barnhart called a nice game. Um, it's easy to get excited about Scooble. Again, we need to see him string together, not just one or two starts like this starts to string together four or five, six really good starts in a row. I think before we are talking all-star status, but uh, he has that ability without
0: any doubt. Well, A couple other positives in the in the pitching department uh Michael Pineda I mean what a what a professional pitcher like he just (laughs) give me the ball and I'm going um yeah with Pineda looking like he did on the mound there um I guess I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself there I kind of I kind of like to think that he's probably not going to look like that every time, but in case people forgot, he went five, three hits, uh, two strikeouts. He was just he was getting contact. He was pitching the contact, and 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 he was getting outs that way. And then you mentioned it too, uh, Bo Brisky. So I, I mentioned the 2019. Oh my God, with the terrible defensive play. I also had a 2020 déjà vu moment when Brisky on his second career yeah. pitch gives up a home run speaking of school uh you know that during the uh the pandemic shortened season that seemed to be a, a yeah they school gave up a home run to Tim Anderson right in his first uh i believe oh
1: yeah uh, first was it the first pitch it was definitely the first batter yeah. Tim Anderson maybe yep. it was real quick
0: but Brisky in the mounts back you know five three hits I mean two of them were home runs but uh you know got a couple you got three strikeouts three runs uh you're gonna be able to live with that when you're in this situation <laughs> how did he actually look though how did he how did he look
1: uh, I, I thought brisky looked really good I mean he ultimately made like three bad pitches the whole game and they all kind of cost him uh, but even the home run balls I think the first one to Joe Connor, Connor Joe, Connor Joe fell into the trap that Dan Dickerson and Jim Price were (laughs) talking about on the radio all week. Uh, It was kind of a cement mixer slider that didn't really spin, didn't really move, but it it wasn't necessarily a hanger. It was low and was over the plate. I've seen worse pitches. Uh, And then the curveball to Blackman, he just didn't quite snap it, bury it as much as he wanted, but it was still bottom third of the strike zone. It was... It wasn't just an awful pitch, and then he allowed an 0-2 hit that allowed that... Before that, he allowed the order to turn over to Blackman. Those were, like, the only mistakes. I mean, he was in command. He was uh, throwing really well. He, his slider was not was not super good, and I've seen his slider look sharper. I think that's really the key for him to assert himself, get him to the next level. But his changeup is arguably the best changeup in the organization right now, Um and I don't necessarily say that lightly he's got a really good changeup the spin rates on his fastball were like great not like top 15 in the entire majors really good ride used utilized it well in the upper part of the strike zone and this was his first major league start one year ago he was in high a no one had any idea who he was um another way to look at it i think brisky looked better than Mize and Skubal both did in their debuts in terms of knowing his stuff, knowing how to use it, and going after hitters. I think Mize and Skubal, in their debuts, you saw their top-end stuff. You saw, like, a lot to like. You also just saw a lot of mistakes and weren't necessarily pitch-efficient, a lot of nibbling. It's one thing Brisky's never been known for. He goes at hitters, and this guy gave up a bomb on his second Major League pitch. And kept going right after hitters. I thought that was huge. I think that was good to see. Uh, I'm glad to see he's getting a second start here against the Dodgers. And that's probably not a fun uh, second start. So I want to give Brisky some more grace, even if start number two doesn't go well, because he he showed a lot of things um, that we've been wanting to see out of guys like Matt Manning and even Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal. He showed some of those things in his major league debut.
0: And that – and. and... So, does he look like he belongs? That that's that's one of the things that 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 I just kind of want to summarize with with any prospect that comes up, particularly pitchers, because you know you get to look at their face, you know, in between pitches, and you you get more emotion, or at least you know like get to see him emote a little bit more. Uh, Does he look like he belongs? Because to me, he does.
1: I, I I. Yeah, I think he acts like he belongs, and I'm putting this in my column too. I almost wonder if he has like the. You have you tend to get these guys who are really smart, great pitchers, very technical, very meticulous. I put Casey Mize in that category. I put Matthew Boyd in that category. Maybe Daniel Norris in that category. And then you get a lot of these guys who are just bulldogs. They're just competitors. I'd put Matt Manning in that category. I'd put um, Jordan Zimmerman in that category. Rarely do you get the guy who's both. And I think it's easy where if you're a Bulldog competitor that you don't, you're not pitching with the same like level of intellect. And some of these guys who think so much about every pitch can overthink it, and sometimes they just need to stop and rear back and throw it. Brisky's really smart, knows how his stuff plays, but like, He has this kind of an FU face, and he's out to prove the world wrong. He's a 27th-round draft pick. I wonder if he's the perfect blend personality-wise. That's my early impression of Boberski.
0: Which category does Tyler Alexander fit in? Your boy.
1: Tyler... Tyler's a third category. These guys who are just really chill all the time. That's really. And he's smart and he's a competitor, but he's. He's easily the most chill pitcher, you know, on the staff. I think he's a category unto himself. Tyler, unfortunately, my guy, two consecutive starts in which he did not really look like himself. Didn't have his command, didn't have the cutter. So, right when I'm hyping him up, right when AJ even seems to admit. Right when AJ even seems to admit, okay, we're gonna keep giving Tyler Alexander opportunities, he 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 finally runs into some struggles. Um, obviously, I didn't love seeing that, but Tyler, he just wasn't sharp. He wasn't himself his last two outings. And post game, he was very chill and relaxed about all. Not to insinuate he doesn't care, but he was just like very matter of fact. <laughs> right. Like, didn't have my command. I was opening up my front side. You know, here's what I did wrong, and I'm gonna try to fix it.
0: <laughs> i actually do appreciate that mindset um yeah the, uh, I, I like i like that you said like you know made the clarification not saying he doesn't care but i i do appreciate someone who kind of knows like hey it just didn't go i didn't One my day didn't go well you know confidence i think that's actually an expression of confidence
1: yeah sometimes that's how you got to be too you know sometimes you can sit here and overanalyze your outing when yeah, you can learn things from it, but at the end of the day, you uh, your next outing is all that matters. You know, I think Alexander seems to have a pretty good grasp on all that.
0: Let's go to let, let let's go to hitting. So I don't know if anyone's gonna disagree with me on this, but it doesn't really feel like the Tigers are hitting all that well. Uh, but if we want to add some context, no <laughs> two hundred, they're batting two thirty three. 233. Uh, league average, 231 right now. Uh, slugging, or excuse me, on base, league average is 307. <laughs> As a team, <laughs> they're on base is uh, 318, and then slugging 330, which is uh, actually 30 points lower than the league average. Uh, it. Is there anything to that that like hitting is really down right now in baseball? Uh, I know it's they've played basically nothing but home games. It's cold, you know. Had had to play through some rain. Uh, every and the lineup had been dinged the powerful hitters. It, how what's the level of concern about the hitting right now? I guess given all the factors.
1: Yeah, it's not like. Red alert by any means because we're 15 games in. I think some of this, uh, like Tucker Barnard said, you know, water water finds its level. Uh, It's kind of cliche, but it's very true in the game of baseball. At the same time, at some point, you got to start hitting. You know, it's not good how everyone seems to go cold at once. You need some production from your middle of the order. I think that's really what the Tigers have lacked. You point out the batting average, although bad league-wide, it's very bad. But this lineup really has not had any thump. Spencer Torkelson hit your last two home runs. No one has homered, you know, in, in, other than Torkelson in the past three series. I think they rank 28th in slugging percentage, 98 in weighted runs created plus, which again, that's only two percent below league average. Ranks 18th, almost more middle of the pack, despite being, uh, despite how bad it seems. So maybe that that gives you some added perspective. At the same time, like. You just need some guys to get hot. And I don't know. It looks like Robbie Grossman's starting to get hot. But Jonathan Scope, Jamer Candelario, I know a lot of fans have been kind of complaining about them. Look, these guys are proven professional hitters. I think they're going to be okay. Uh, I don't think you need to send them to AAA or move them down in the order even. all the, Although, if Mr. Mr. Torkelson keeps hitting, that might be a discussion. Um but I don't know, like like I'm concerned, but I also think the at-bats have gotten better. I thought the at-bats, like the first two series, were not good, and I think the overall plate approach looks better. The chase was bad Sunday against Rocky starter Chad Cool, because he throws a wicked slider that looks like it's a strike and then it's not. Uh, but generally speaking, I think the chase um, hasn't been as bad as it could be.
0: Only the Baltimore Orioles have hit less home runs this season. Than the Detroit Tigers. Uh this was entering today, baseball reference, uh you know it was a day with uh day later with their update. So this is entering today. Uh seven to four. League average is thirteen, so half league average in home runs. Maybe that's the Detroit Air. That, and and then, and then there's gonna be the, the Comerica Park element.
1: It doesn't help. There've been a lot of a lot of flyouts to the warning track. And, you know, Bob Nightingale wrote this week about his MLB using two balls. Is the ball uh too, you know, deflated for hitters now? And anecdotally, I swear I've just seen a lot of flyouts to the warning track. Even in Comerica where that's commonplace. There there have been some balls that I thought were gone off the bat, and then they just like they just stopped. So I don't know if that's the ball. I don't know if that's the the weather, the harsh conditions, the wind, or maybe the balls just actually weren't as hit as hard as it originally looked. Hard to say. Very anecdotal. Um but at some point you you know, there are other teams who play in bad weather too. You know. That's true. Know.
0: And in regards to like the complaints about Scope and Jamer, and those were voices that were definitely said about Robbie until this week. Um if you're the manager, you got to stick with your guys and you got to trust your veterans as long as they have good attitudes, good approaches. Uh, you know, they're a positive, still positive, like, influence. Like, what... Okay, so you want to sit Jamer, like, you know, bench him, quote-unquote. What are you doing at third? We're just going to, you know, we got to put Harold there. And then, and then. but what if you also want to give her a scope? So then wh- exactly. where, are we, where are we going? Like, there's... <laughs> You can't just do one thing and not do another action. There has to be two actions. So you got to kind of stick with your guys. And again, proven track records is a big thing there. So that's uh, that's just my thought on that. It's like, don't... Uh, just a PSA to people is that like, don't complain about something without like a solution that is actually feasible. Uh, because, you know, there's only so many roster changes you can make there's only so many lineup decisions uh that you can make and um and so everybody just kind of keep that in mind
1: this this just reminded me you got to shout out the guy who uh the guy who told me all my baseball takes are terrible because i said i wanted a a corner infielder to catch the infamous pop-up in the yankees game and then proceeded to respond to all my tweets telling me like how dumb i am um I of course eventually muted him, so I don't know if he's still out there doing that. Profile pick, you know. Hope that guy feels good about himself. Uh, No profile pick. His name was Ray Foley, with uh, the letters R and A were both capitalized. But he said he created a a, he said he created an account just to tell me how bad this podcast is. So thanks, Ray, for listening.
0: That's that's a lot of commitment. I'll tell you, like that's that's a lot of work. (laughs)
1: It <laughs> really is. Really is kind of an so, honor to well, come to okay, think of so it. So I
0: did want to give my spiel. I put this on Twitter, and if you want to give Cody credit for his baseball takes, uh, you can follow him at Cody Stavenhagen. I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley. The pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. My thing is, I think a non-rookie Spencer Torkelson, or maybe just a guy with more than you know. 13 games or whatever, um, at that time, maybe closer to 10 major league games under his belt, probably takes charge of that, but you have, uh, you have the pitcher who's in still in the vicinity. So Tyler Alexander, in my opinion, also needs to either be in position or get the hell out the way. Um, that's a, it's a, it's a hard way for Tucker to kind of have to go after that ball, um, corner infielder probably does need to take charge and I think t- Spencer was in position to take charge but he pulled off I think that was just an ex- an example of uh, of him being a rookie and not necessarily viewing himself as a voice in that instance uh, I don't know if that's true or not but that's sort of my interpretation of it either way the ball's got to be caught obviously but uh, that was sort of uh, my impression
1: yeah, I think... Where
0: was Jamer on that
1: play? Um, the Tigers were kind of in a shift. It's not really accurate to say like That's he right. was shifted over playing shortstop, but he ran in and kind of was sitting on third base. Like He never really made an effort for the ball. I think he was playing far enough over where you can't necessarily fault him for it. I think Torkelson had the the best play on it. Um, if Jamer doesn't at least come charging for it right away, I mean, the ball did end up dropping on the third base side of the, of the mound. Um, like you said, I, I actually don't like the stigma that like pitchers shouldn't catch pop-ups. I feel like we should just end that, like, why can't a pitch, if pitchers were allowed to catch pop-ups, Tyler Alexander probably just sits under that and he catches it. But he's sitting here thinking, I need to kind of be out of the way. Yeah. And Barnard, no one calls him off. So he's kind of like, I guess this is my ball. That's a tough play for a catcher to make running forward for a ball that's probably spinning backward. And he kind of loses it. I feel like. Having
0: to locate yeah, it located. I man. feel
1: like Barnard was kind of hung out to dry because Torque didn't charge it, because maybe Jamer either didn't charge it or couldn't get to it. And then Tyler Alexander is probably like, uh, I think I'm probably not supposed to try to catch this. Uh, obviously it was kind of ended up being a comedy of errors, but just to solely blame Tucker Barnard, um, I don't necessarily think is the proper take either.
0: Ooh, you know what I just thought of. Maybe other people put this that, out here. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying this is a an innovative take or anything, but do you think if do you think Spencer goes after that ball if he doesn't run into Javier Baez in spring training? You know,
1: that's a good question. That's a good question. I don't know.
0: Yeah, what was maybe he was thinking to back off? Meeting.
1: I have another. I, I have another. I have another quick observation. Torque has struggled on these pop flies hit behind first base. He's mm-hmm. had a hard time. Going back to spring, he's missed like three or four of them at least. Why is Jonathan Scope like never in the vicinity of any of these balls? There are a couple of them that are like on the dirt and that's not really his ball. But I think at the least you want your second baseman. Maybe they've been shifted over. I I haven't gone and reviewed the film. I'm just like second baseman's never anywhere close. That's an easier play for the second mm-hmm. baseman to make than them for the the first baseman going straight over his head. That's uh neither here nor there, but just a thought I've had.
0: Yeah, that's uh, the 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 torque thing. Every time he did make one this week he did <laughs> at least one, maybe he had more, but he did make at least one. And every time I kind of start feeling like, oh, you know, the, you know, the, the defense is looking pretty good, like you know, like uh, you know, from Torque, you know, I like it. He's he's got these subtle things we talked about before, and then like two days later, he misses another one of those <laughs> foul territory uh, <laughs> balls. He just doesn't. The bottom line is he doesn't look very comfortable, uh, in that space. Like he.
1: He seems like he needs a day of catching about 50 of those things, Mm -hmm. and then he'll probably be fine.
0: Well, I did see before Sunday's game a picture of him and Alan Trammell. uh, Torque was playing catch, and he was standing next to to Trammell. So I wonder, Trammell, being a former shortstop, uh, knows how to kind of go after fly balls at weird angles. Uh, I wonder if he was imparting some wisdom there. Uh, Thank God you know I do agree about the the scope thing that's a lot of this baseball defense stuff is about angles right so like what's what's an easier angle like running backward trying to take in consideration the wall you're not really in a, you don't have to go too far into it but the the shortstop when it's to the left side and second baseman they typically have better beats and better angles and also more experience catching fly balls in general um, I don't know what the result is either but yeah I would like to see. A, uh, at least in the vicinity, uh, like you know, it, to to go after some of those.
1: I I like to think Alan Trammell is just like man, I spent like a year of my life trying to teach you how to become a third <laughs> baseman, and we all knew it was never actually gonna work. It, it was just like such a waste of time. I'm done with you. Tram would never actually say that to anyone. Of course, I'm being I'm being you know trying to be funny, but uh, I kind of just like to imagine he's like. Spend enough time teaching you to play third and it was all for nothing. You, someone else can teach you how to yeah. catch that pop fly.
0: Yeah, at <laughs> least catch some pop flies because that's probably a skill that he was physically teaching uh, when, when we were <laughs> the experimentation of, of third base. But i tell you where there's uh, there's nothing to complain about. In fact, I have a lot of positivity for you. You shared some stats on Twitter, the... Um, I don't know what would you call it? what would you call it? his hitting profile? Is that what you would call it? Uh, yeah,
1: just his hitting like Statcast profile. Yeah.
0: What's the what, What's the most encouraging of among those? Uh, Is uh...
1: Well, no, I'm going to stop you right there because I had a I had a good conversation with um, Dan Dickerson about this a couple of days ago, and if you if you guys go on Baseball Savant and you click on a player. You know, it has this screen and it kind of measures their metrics and shows how they relate to the league average and if it's good, their number's in red and if it's bad, it's in blue and it's a pretty, it's usually a pretty handy visual, I think. Uh, but there, I don't think there is like one that's better than the other. I think we have all-encompassing baseball offensive metrics in weighted runs created plus and weighted OPS plus. So I kind of look at those, and if a guy, let's say a guy has a 120 OPS, I'm like, OPS plus, I'm like, so this guy's 20% better than league average. Okay, what makes him good? And I think these numbers on Baseball Savant show you more why he's good. If his um, exit velocity is super high, well, he always hits the ball hard. If his strikeout percentage is low, he doesn't strike out. If his whiff percentage is low, he doesn't strike out. If he barrels the ball up, you can... Hit the ball hard without actually catching. Um, you can hit the ball hard without it technically being considered a barrel. I think you can, you know, it's kind of like a car. These are all your different car parts, different parts to the engine, and you add them all up and it makes a player go. So there's not one thing I look at. I think it gives you a holistic view of what makes a hitter good. I think probably the most encouraging thing about Torgelson. Almost all of these numbers are really good, except the strikeout rate, which uh, we've seen him be hosed with some bad calls, and as, as someone said, I think the strikeouts are kind of a feature more than a bug in his game, and it's not like he swings and misses an absurd amount. He's taking called strikes. Uh, he's hitting the ball hard. He's catching barrels. He gets walks. He has a high expected batting average, an expected on-base percentage, an expected slugging percentage. I think that tells you this guy's a really well-rounded hitter.
0: Why don't we go ahead and uh, and do the A.J. Hinch suggestion box. I think it will flow right now. Um, what is your A.J. Hinch suggestion box? I know what it is, obviously. I'm just teeing you up.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to flow. I already alluded to it. But I think it's time to go ahead and, and move Spencer Torkelson up in the lineup a little bit. I think that's because he's... Clearly seeing the ball really well. Miguel Cabrera keeps complimenting him. Uh, He's now your team leader in home runs. I think if you're talking in terms of power threats, uh, he looks more capable of handling that role than anyone. He's having good at bats. He is outperforming Scope and Candelario, and even your guys such as Meadows, such as Cabrera, aren't really hitting for a lot of power right now. Uh, I don't you know I think he's got to get his feet wet a little bit I feel like he'd be well equipped to handle it I don't think it's too much pressure I don't even know what exact spot I'm saying to put him in but I'd say let's bump him up to either you know one of these three four five spots I think why not it's not like you have anyone else uh, outperforming him right now
0: I like five um I would even I would even like Let's say they win the first two games of a series, or maybe it's like the Sunday game, you know, where obviously there's it's a, a little bit of a rest day. We saw that today, you know, in a lot of cases. I wouldn't even mind throw him a two hole one of these games, you know, like why not? You okay. no, could, why not? Okay. You know, and and just kind of you know see what happens. He he's athletic enough that you know if someone gets get hits a ball in the gap. He can. You know he can get an extra base. You know what I mean. So that I like that. I like that. Five seems safe, but I I wouldn't mind just trying them at two. Why not? It's it's late April, early May. Why not? M- my suggestion box, and I also sort of hinted at it a little bit earlier. I'm I'm wanting Joe Jimenez to get an elevated role right now. With the given the current status of the bullpen, he's looked a lot more sharp than I've seen him in a while, and I think he's pitched well enough this year that I don't think he has to be the, we're down eight runs, we gotta throw somebody in there, uh, you know, go eat some innings, kid, roll. Uh, which is he's done that a lot in the during the Hinch era. I don't know exactly because AJ doesn't define the roles as uh, traditional, but I would I would put him in some some more leverage spots. I would I would I would put him in some down by one run, gotta make sure it, it you know one doesn't turn into two or three spots, and because I think he's earned it and the status of the bullpen. I mean. What, what, what would Cisnero be doing if he was healthy? What would Funkhouser be doing if he was healthy? I would kind of tr- slot him there in, in, in my mind. That, w- that would be my suggestion for A.J. Hinch this week.
1: I think that's a fair one. I think that's a fair one. I mean, I think it helps you have other guys pitching really well in the bullpen, but uh, Joe's pitching well. I think some more leverage situations. Um not a bad idea. In fact, maybe a good idea to test him a little more. Like, are you really, are you ready to fully earn the stamp of trust? He did that in his eighth inning outing against the Royals when he pitched with the lead. I'd like to see it a couple more times and see what happens. Um, if that happens, probably means, number one, the Tigers are winning games. Number two, maybe he's getting used in that role because your winning bullpen has been, you know, the Lings, the Fulmers have been taxed a little bit which also means you've had the lead in games all around. That would be a a good thing for the Tigers.
0: I talked about uh, the schedule to start the season. Man, it just stays unforgiving. That's (laughs) how all schedules are, I think. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, Twins and then Dodgers. Uh, I'm still waiting for that Orioles series, you know. Like, it's just... (laughs) It's just it seems pretty compact to begin. That's another reason why at the beginning of this pod I said you know, seems okay six and nine not ideal. I I know the
1: Rockies are actually off to a really good start, but that's a that's a series I feel like you want to win. You know, I feel like you want to win that Sunday game. Just you want to say you won your series against the Rockies because who knows against Minnesota going to against the Dodgers eh, it could be ugly. Or it could be like last year, early season against the Astros, where they somehow sweep a way better team. You you never know what these things. But it's like, (laughs) I feel like your Rocky series. You know, especially when you win the first game. Um, I think it would have been prudent to take one of those next two, but easier said than done.
0: Well, uh, my wife Alexis was, you know, I got the game on. She kind of comes into the living room and and she's like, why? are they beating them 13 nothing on Saturday, and then two games later they're losing, like, she didn't use the word handedly, but that was more or less what she was saying. I was like, well, that's baseball. <laughs> you know? it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough a tough thing. I, I am curious, though, Cody, um, do you think, and maybe you've already sensed it, I don't know, but one of the things I'm going to be looking for is see if there's a little bit of a sense of relief from the team now that the Miggy 3000 thing has happened like we don't have to talk about it Miggy can be a, in theory be a little bit more relaxed I have a feeling that if he wasn't approaching 3000 he wouldn't have had that many consecutive uh starts uh so a well-earned day off on uh on Sunday and it's I don't know it's just it's one of those things that made me think like can a, did a, and because you have to play Miggy during the homestand when he's trying to get 3,000, like there's an argument to be made, he didn't necessarily have his full deck of possibilities with the lineup, I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a it's just baseball and now we don't have to talk to, you know, have Miguel Cabrera host reporters for 20 minutes, you know, we don't have to do all, worry about these like extra things if that makes sense, like, like they can just go back to baseball, I wonder if that's going to play out this week
1: I think so. I mean, I think it was it was pretty taxing for everybody because there was a lot going on. Uh, most taxing for Miguel, especially. I wonder in some ways if it aided his hitting performance. Uh, but I kind of asked him that very question: like, is there any sense of relief? And I'm not sure if he fully understood the question because I, you know, had to be uh, wearing a mask. But you know, he. I think toward the end, he said, "Yeah, now we can go prepare or something," is what he said, which I don't know exactly think that was his way of saying like, yeah, now it's just, now it's just baseball. There's not as much extraneous stuff to worry about. Uh, but I wonder, you know, AJ would never admit it, but I wonder if there was a little bit of a lull in Sunday's game because Saturday was such an emotional high and you play a double header and it was just an exhausting day. And then you come back to the ballpark basically a handful hour of hours later and you, and you do it all again. Um, good thing is there's an off day Monday maybe you kind of reset and and that's one less thing to deal with uh, I, I think that'll be the case I think it was it was an exhausting week for everyone I think this Monday off day uh, I hope everyone takes advantage of it
0: like how much press was there this week basically uh, because normally you know you get like you know home openers a bunch of cameras TV people you know everybody's got to be there and then then, you know, after, you know, the next, then the next day, it's really just kind of your core writer people and maybe, maybe some more, uh, press box locker rooms were they like really, really crowded, uh, this past week with, with people, extra people that, you know, will no longer be going, you know, to Comerica park every day in anticipation of this.
1: It wasn't too absurd. I think. I mean, opening day is just a zoo, man. It's kind of crazy. Mostly, you have like TV stations from Lansing and across the state all come for opening day for one game and leave. I don't really quite understand why they even um, do that. There are so many more cameras on opening day. It is a madhouse. Uh, there was a more media presence as you would expect for Miguel's chase 43000, three thousand, but it was. I didn't feel like it really impeded me in the clubhouse or anything. Uh, You had some Venezuelan reporters there, you know, a handful of of reporters from Venezuela who were there for um, the entire homestand. Obviously there was a lot of New York media um, kind of also tangentially covering Miguel's chase. And I think a couple of reporters, including Marley Rivera from ESPN stayed after the Yankees left town to Continue to cover Miguel's chase for three thousand. John Morosi and and some MLB Network uh, crew people were there on Saturday, so like you could feel the increased media presence, but it wasn't. It still did not compare to the zoo of opening day. That really just tells you how nuts opening day tends to
0: be. All right, before we get out of here, I, I did want to, I want to expand a little bit on the the Mize Manning thing because. AJ Hinch said, "Don't. This isn't necessarily a setback, but is it? Like, uh, uh,
1: I I wish I knew, Kieran. If you have any inside info, (laughs) let me know. I uh, thought it was a little too vague for my liking. Yeah,
0: because I went from I don't even know if he's
1: gonna miss one start to yeah, we're sending him to Lakeland and it's gonna take him longer to ramp up, and we're not." there's not going to be much elaboration on why. Doesn't sound good to me. Maybe I'm wrong. They don't like speculating about injuries, so that's why, sometimes that's why they don't uh, reveal as much information.
0: Well, I'll just go ahead and say it. It kind of feels like a setback to me. Like, uh, having to go to the training facility.
1: Yeah.
0: You uh, You know what, you're right.
1: By the very definition, it's a setback. It went from maybe he doesn't miss a start to he's going to miss at least two starts and he's going to go... To the spring training facility, I think um, that's pretty much he was set back in his timetable for return. No doubt about it.
0: Speaking of ramping up, uh, yesterday, yesterday, uh, Jackson Job two innings, four strikeouts, zero runs, top one hundred.
1: Back in the top one hundred, we are putting him back <laughs> in Keith Law's one hundred. We might just have to shoot him all the way up. Four strikeouts in two innings. Some really good spin rates. Look at that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess he's probably going to go to West Michigan uh, relatively soon. we do not to spend a lot of time on it, but
1: eh, I don't know if I, I. don't know if I know. I don't know if I believe that. I think they're going to continue to take it very slow Which,
0: with him. Fair. I don't have any rebuttals uh, for that, but I think uh, it's just kind of fun to see like Jackson Job starting day one inning. Next start, two innings. Is next one three? Are we just going to go in order? Yeah.
1: I, I think so. <laughs> it, might, it might be, yeah. I bet, I bet they do until he gets up to like five. Yeah, yeah. kind of like spring training for uh, for actual starters. Yeah, major league starts. That's starters. fun.
0: Any, th- any other notes you wanted to to get into before we get out of here?
1: Uh, I'm sure there are plenty of tidbits, but nothing's really coming to the top of my brain. So uh, it's been a long week. That's, uh, that's about all I got.
0: Well, here's the thing. If you want more of Cody's tidbits, you can be an Athletic subscriber, and Can't. you will be able to read them in the. Uh, I almost said in the paper. That's in the paper. That's still, how I look at things. Newspaper. <laughs> On online, uh, if you're an Athletic. Subscriber, I went. I went to my front porch and...
1: this morning, and the Athletic wasn't there. <laughs> I was very confused.
0: <laughs> the times are different, but uh, but all right, you can.
1: I tried to call them call on Cody the telephone, on but they said they only had a... him. <laughs>
0: <The telephone. laughs> it looks like he had put a telephone to his ear. Um, you can follow Cody on Twitter at uh, Cody Stavenhagen. I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley. Uh, follow the pod page at Turn Corner Pod. Uh, again, reminder if you want sort of our, our, our takes on the Miguel Cabrera experience and also him and I arguing about whether it was a good move for Aaron Boone to, uh, to intentionally walk Miguel Cabrera. That's all in there and feel so inclined. Subscribe five star review. Um, we would appreciate it and we'll talk next week to see if, you know, I was looking at the expected starters for, uh, the Minnesota series and it's like Eduardo, uh, Eduardo, Pineda, and, uh, Schuble, I believe. Yeah, Skubal. And, um, uh, it's an interesting lineup out there, but it was one of those things where I felt good. I was like, okay, play, okay playing the Twins, I could work with that. That will probably come back and bite me in the ass, but that was kind of what I was thinking. I was like, okay, I can work with that, and then the Dodgers shortly after that. So, first long road trip of the season for the Tigers, so we'll see how they do, and, uh, See, what time are those LA games? They
1: oh, they're really nice late. I will not do, be on the road trip. Shout out New New York Times ownership. Uh, I'll be staying up very late watching those at home. All
0: right. Well, let 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 you uh, be able to. I'm not gonna say relax, but at least there's an element of not having to worry about travel and getting the games and all that stuff. But, you know, you I would much your, rather like, be at office. the games.
1: I would much rather yeah. be at the games, but here we yeah.
0: Go you're uh you're old-fashioned newspaper man in that way and that's how we'll wrap it up uh thanks cody for uh taking your time do two podcasts this week i know you had a long week appreciate it and uh hope everybody has a great week thank you for listening